0: Welcome to AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get support and guidance through the chaos of parenting. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. In episode eight, I'm going to be talking about five unrealistic expectations people place on kids with ADHD. Now this could be you, but it also could be maybe your partner or their teacher or relatives and friends who just don't get your kid. Do you feel that struggle? Do you feel like you're always defending your child or trying to explain their behavior? And it can be tiring and frustrating, or maybe you're tired and frustrated because you don't get their behavior. Either way, you're in the right place because today's episode is gonna break down the five most common unrealistic expectations that people place on these kids. So let's get started kids with ADHD fidget. They squirm, they hop, they bounce, they chew, they pick, they tear, they tap. They do a lot of annoying things and they cannot control it. They have an internal engine inside their body that is driving them to move and they can't stop that. And so when parents or teachers or friends and relatives are like, stop moving, stop humming stop picking at your shirt, stop tearing the paper. We're not being realistic because that is who they are. And they don't want to be doing all those behaviors. Their body is making them do it. So how do you address that? If they're destructive or they are distracting other people, how do you address that without being unrealistic and telling them to just stop? For starters, give them an outlet. And so if they need to move around and you know, there's adults who are like this too. I mean, how many of you fidget and need to, you know, scribble when you're at work and in a meeting or chew gum to keep yourself kind of engaged. I mean, we all have components of this, but there are fidget toys. And so you can Google that if you don't know what I'm talking about. And you can find things that your child can hold and move around with. Now, some schools are awesome at this and they will give They will allow your child to bring fidget toys into the classroom and other schools are not as open. So you'll have to talk to your child's school and see, but those are all sorts of great things. They will put like rubber bands, like these expanded large rubber bands, um, between the legs of a desk. So the child can kind of bounce up and down with their feet. Well, not like their whole body, (laughs) but their feet can bounce, um, and move the rubber band or people, will allow kids to have silly putty and there's, there's fidget toys that are perfectly developed to entertain kids. And so you can check those out. Also, some kids like to chew, they'll bite their shirt and, you know, rip it, or they'll tear at their pants. And so you can get them a chew necklace, which is actually called chewelry. And I will leave a link in the show notes for chewelry, or you can just Google it because that is a thing. I didn't realize that there's actual name for it until I looked further into it. And actually my son is a bit of a chewer. And so I ordered him a, a necklace because they have really cute boy ones too. They have like little Legos and they have like a shark's tooth, but it's made out of a chewy material. <laughs> I don't know what kind of material it really is, but it's, it's chewable apparently not edible, but chewable. But I would be careful to check out the size because I ordered my son one which I thought looked cool on Amazon. And then we got it and it was massive. It was kind of ridiculously big. And so unless he's like a 400 pound, six foot tall man, this size was just not really appropriate for him. So check out the size before you order jewelry. The other thing is to redirect them. So if you're at home and you have a child who's bouncing off the walls, telling them to get down, get down, calm down is not going to help they are obviously seeking some sort of bodily input. They're obviously getting out some internal energy. And, you know, part of having ADHD is you have that ongoing internal motor. And so if your child is jumping on the couch, then redirect it, get a small indoor trampoline or tell them to go run outside. So instead of saying, stop, tell them go do blah, blah, blah. And then that way you're developing their skills because they're like, Oh, you know what? When I feel this way, I need to get my energy out. And so I need to go run outside. My son who doesn't have ADHD, but he definitely has components of it. You know, he can get super hyper depending on what he ate and depending on his day. And he has more anxiety. And in another episode, I'll talk about how, how anxiety can sometimes be misdiagnosed as ADHD, because there is this big overlap, especially for boys. Uh, and I have an article, I'll link that in the show notes, but Maybe I'll do an episode on that some other time, but he is very hyper depending on his anxiety level and he'll jump on our really nice expensive couch and we'll get frustrated with him and my husband will get frustrated. And so I told my husband around Christmas time, I said, look, it's not his fault. He comes home. He has all this energy, you know, bottled up from sitting in a desk all day. And it's not fair for us to just be like, stop jumping, stop jumping. And so I ordered this mammoth huge bean bag, like a beast of a bean bag. It's like for adults. And I put it in the corner of our living room and we have stairs that are going up and you can kind of climb on the stairs. You know how kids do. And so I allow him, and you might be like bad mom, Natasha, bad mom. So be prepared. I'm about to say something horrible, but I allow him to walk up the stairs kind of like on the outside of the stairs and jump into the bean bag. And it's fun. And he's getting that physical impact. And it's exciting. And so when he's jumping on the couch, I just say, "Hey, you can go do that on the beanbag." You know. And I also bought him a small little trampoline that's by his room. And so sometimes at night when he's getting really anxious because he's nervous at night because of bedtime, total different podcast for that one. I will say, "Hey, go and jump on your trampoline for about 2 minutes and then come back down." And he'll be like, "Why?" I'm like, "Just go do it." And it gets out that nervous energy. So, for this first unrealistic expectation, of stop moving and stop fidgeting. You want to redirect it and give them tools. On to number two, my child will just not listen to me. I tell them to go brush their teeth, get their pajamas on and clean up their room. And they just don't do it. Or maybe they just go brush their teeth. Yes, that's because they have ADHD (laughs) and multiple step directions are not going to work. And so I tell parents Do not give your child more than one direction at a time. Now that may seem ridiculous, but they're not going to hear step two and step three because their brain doesn't have that capacity. As they get older, they will learn their own tools. They will write down notes and they will use stickies and they will put reminders everywhere. But when you're dealing with little kids who have, or even older kids who have to go do some tasks that they don't want to do, you need to make sure that you give them one step directions at a time go brush your teeth and then when you're done come back to me and that way you're kind of checking and making sure that they're doing it as they progress because it's not fair to get upset at a child who can't retain multiple step directions when you're giving them multiple step directions that's not fair that'd be like getting mad at me because I'm not understanding you and you're speaking spanish but I don't even know spanish that's probably like a really weird example <laughs> I'm not good with coming up with examples on the, on the fly. So that's all I got. Okay. That was a very easy, um, misperception that people have and an expectation that's unrealistic. So that one's obvious. Let's move on to number three. Number three is that people have this expectation that kids with ADHD should be able to focus on everything with equal attention. And that is the biggest complaint I get in my practice. A lot of times when parents are upset with the diagnosis and I don't diagnose ADHD, I just do therapy. I don't assess, but, um, they'll come in with already a diagnosis and maybe one parent's really upset about it or they're confused and they'll say, I don't get it, Natasha, because he can sit there for hours and play with Legos, or he can sit for hours and play on Minecraft or on video games. When he wants to focus, he can focus without a problem. He is just lazy. He doesn't wanna focus on work. He doesn't wanna do his homework. And so he's lazy and I don't think it's ADHD. I hear that often. Now I'm not saying that it's not laziness because kids who wants to do their homework, right? But I think people are misunderstanding ADHD. They are getting input And they are observing everything that's going on in their environment at the same level. Imagine that you're hearing the sounds, sights, and smells of everything. There is no filter. Your brain is not filtering it out right now. I can sit here and focus on my conversation with you. And I'm ignoring the noise that's happening outside my window. I'm ignoring the sound of my air conditioning. I'm ignoring a lot of other things like maybe that I have to pee (laughs) See, the minute I said that, I'm like, yeah, you know what? I actually really do have to pee. I'm ignoring that. My brain is not allowing me to notice that my bladder is like, Hey, don't forget about me. Stop doing these podcasts and go pee. But someone with ADHD is not their, their brain is not allowing them to filter all that. And so they're getting all, all those messages at one time, which makes it hard to really focus on one thing. Now, if they really love what they're doing, it's not going to take a lot of brain power to focus hyper-focus on the thing that they're loving. So if I'm loving Legos, but I'm a kid with ADHD, I'm still going to be able to focus really well on the Legos because it's interesting. It does not take a lot to draw my attention in. And so I can sit there for a long time because I'm engaged. Now, if you're going to throw some math homework in front of my face, and I'm a kid with ADHD, I'm not interested in that. Yes, that is true. But then on top of it, I have to filter out all the extra external noise and input that's coming from my body and from the outside world and focus on this task that's already kind of hard for me to comprehend. And so that's gonna take a lot more energy. So for me, now I'm not the kid with the ADHD. Now I'm me, Natasha, me. So for me, an adult without ADHD, you can put a really boring homework assignment in front of me or a task, well, like taxes. I was doing taxes the other day. And it's super boring and I'm sitting there and I'm still hyper-focused because I know I need to get it done. And so I'm staring at it all day long yesterday. It was so annoying all day long. I'm staring at it and I'm not hearing the noise of my daughter complaining that I'm not playing with her. Well, I acknowledge her and then I'm ignoring her. I'm not hearing the noise outside. I'm just trying to get this task done because I, it doesn't take a lot of brain power for me to do that. Now, if I was an adult with ADHD or a child with ADHD, I would not be able to do that because it would take probably 10 times as much focus as it did me to remain on task and stay focused because I'm, I'm competing with all that extra stuff. Okay. I know I'm going on, I'm being long winded about this, so I will stop, but that's why your child can sit at a video game and play for hours and still not do their homework and spend two hours complaining about it. When, if they could just sit down and do it, it would take them 10 minutes. Do you say that often? <laughs> do you know why I know you say that often? Because I hear you in my practice, other yous, other parents tell me that all the time. It takes him 10 minutes to do his homework, but he he'll complain about it for two hours. Yes, he will, because it's going to take him that much more energy to focus on that than it would anything else. We're not going to go into today how to fix that issue. That is a totally different episode. And I do have some tips on how to parent kids with ADHD and we'll save that for another episode, but I want to go into the last two expectations that people place that are inappropriate on kids with ADHD. So up next, we're going to be talking about volume and energy, and we're going to talk about, listen to me when I shout in your direction. (laughs) Stay tuned. You're listening to AT Parenting Survival Podcast. Okay. So unrealistic expectation number four is that they have any idea about how loud they're being. Control your volume. How many times do you find yourself saying, lower your voice, stop shouting, calm down. If you can count how many times to probably tell your child with ADHD, calm down, calm down. Calm down. It'd probably be pretty frequently. I think we're all guilty of that, even you know, with kids who don't have ADHD. I mean, how many times do we say calm down? But that isn't really helping your child with ADHD because they don't know how to calm down. It's like saying to someone who's bleeding, stop bleeding, stop bleeding, stop bleeding. Okay, tell me how. So You don't want to get angry with a child with ADHD for being super loud. You just want to give them tools to help gauge that. So a lot of times kids struggle with social cues and how to act appropriately in public or even at home because of these issues. They have so much energy and they can't gauge how, how out of control or overwhelming their energy or their volume is. And so one approach that I use with kids um, and I teach parents to use is tell them that there's a one to 10, like a radio dial and tell them that normally when they're indoors or they're at school, they should be about a five. If they're outside and they're playing, they can be louder, but typically you want to be at a five. And if they're being too loud or too rambunctious, you just say, Hey, you're at an eight. Can you please bring it to a five? And I I know that seems stupid (laughs) and, you know, maybe not helpful at all, but it is because you're constantly giving them feedback as to what number their behavior is. And so they're getting that information. Oh, when I am this loud, I'm an eight. When I'm this loud, I'm a five. And if you're consistent, they will start to be able to monitor themselves, which is helpful. Now, if you have a child who's not too sensitive, one thing that I have had parents do with the child is to lower them like a radio dial so they get a visual cue without a conversation about it. And so instead of squashing their self-esteem and constantly yelling at them, you know, be quiet or get down or, you know, calm down, you can give them a visual cue with your hand and you can lower them. And you have to talk to your child first about this and make sure that they're okay with it and they're not offended, but it is actually a really good tool that I've had a lot of parents do when they're in public you know, in that way it's not embarrassing because let's say they're acting really rambunctious and their friends are kind of like, Whoa, too much energy. They can, you know, from across the room kind of do their volume dial and no one's going to know what that is. And also at home, instead of constantly yelling at your child, you can do your volume dial too. And I, I do like where parents will say what number they are, especially when they're at home, you know, you're, you're a 10, you need to bring it down to a five, or if you want to be a 10, you need to go outside or you're an eight right now and it's bedtime. And so at bedtime, you need to be like a three. And so why don't you go jump on your trampoline and bring your number down? That stuff is great because you're teaching them how to self-regulate and you're teaching them how to gauge their own energy level and how to bring it down. And so instead of squashing them, you're empowering them and you're teaching them how to handle their own energy moving forward. Okay, last one is they never listen to me. I talk to him and he completely ignores me. Now I call this ADHD deaf because there are kids that will come into my practice and it depends on how severe the ADHD is. But I would have to say the majority of kids with ADHD, especially if they're a little bit younger and they're playing, they cannot multitask. And so they will play and I will talk to them and they will literally ignore me and they are not being rude. They just can't do two tasks at one time. And it's the same thing at your house when they're in the middle of watching TV or they're in the middle of building Legos, or they're in the middle of playing, you know, out, I don't know. I'm trying to think of another example, whatever. They're not going to be able to hear you because their brain is hyper-focused and pulling all of their energy to the task that they're doing to the fun task that they're doing. And they're not going to hear you. Just like in my office, it's crazy. Sometimes I'll sit there and it just depends on how intense their ADHD is, but they really can't have an ongoing therapy session because the toys are distracting. And I can always tell when this is a struggle because it's funny, especially with little kids, more little kids than older kids, but they will, I'll ask them a question like, um, so how was your teacher today? I don't know. I'm just thinking of a really weird, random question. And let's say they're playing. They will look at me kind of like a deer caught in headlights. And then they'll say, um, how was my teacher today? She was, and then they'll answer. They will say the entire question back to me and then they'll answer. That is an automatic coping mechanism that kids with ADHD do. So when you see your child repeating your entire question, they're not hearing you because they were focusing somewhere else. And so they're trying to catch up. Their brain is trying to catch up, but you can help with this because you're at home and it doesn't have to be a struggle. And so do not shout a direction in the vicinity of your child with ADHD and expect that they are going to get up and do whatever you ask, because that is not going to happen, right? So don't set yourself up for failure or tell your partner not to do that because maybe your partner gets really upset and frustrated, but they're not doing the right things to help your child hear them. And so they're not ignoring you per se, although they are kids and kids do ignore parents. So you're going to have all your normal kid behavior, but on top of that, you're also going to have pure ADHD issues that are, that are not their fault. So turn the TV off or pause their video game, look at them and have them look at you and then give them the direction. Yes. That is super annoying. Yes, that's time consuming and yes, that's going to stop the flow of your normal routine, but it's better than shouting and shouting and shouting and getting angrier and angrier and feeling like you're ineffective as a parent and feeling resentful to your child all because physiologically, they're not able to focus on what you're saying when you're in the other room. So set it up for success and pause, whatever, and then give them a direction. If their ADHD is super, super bad then you may want to have them repeat back what they're supposed to be doing. And that way, you know that they got it. So that is the last tip for unrealistic expectations that people place on kids with ADHD. Do you have comments or questions? Leave them at anxioustoddlers.com backslash PSP 8 zero eight. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you're feeling extra nice, you can leave a review. I will talk to you next Tuesday. Until next time, I hope you find the sparkle in every day. Take care. Thank you for listening to AT Parenting Survival Podcast. For more tips and parenting support, visit anxioustoddlers.com.